Greetings, and welcome to Beatles Stuffology. Uh, we were going to record this in an amphitheatre in Tripoli, lit by 2,000 Arabs carrying flame-lit torches, uh, but we've decided to just do it in the usual way. We are happy to be back after what has been a little bit of a recording break for us. Um, but yeah, we are here to talk about BS Beatles stuff on a track-by-track -track basis, as we always do. My name is Gigi McCord, and I'm here with my co-host, Andrew Deacon. Say hi, Andrew. Hello. How are you doing? Um, I'm doing fine and impressed by your jaunty introduction. Are you going to be changing it each each time now? Oh, well, that's just the excitement that you'll have to live with to find out whether that's going to be the case going forward or not. Sometimes I will, sometimes I won't. That's how it's exciting it's going to be. Given the huge gap between recordings, um, you know, it's, it's obviously going to be a, a sense, of, sense of heightened tension I'm going to have to live with for such a long time. Yes, yes, absolutely. Uh, this week we are returning to side two of... With, no, we're not. Edit. This time we are starting side two of With the Beatles, and that means we are kicking off with a cover version. We are kicking off with Roll Over Beethoven, and I will try and keep my rolling R's to a minimum as much as I can. Um, yeah, Chuck Berry classic, uh, one of the most covered songs of all time. Yeah, you know the backstory. What do you think of it? Well, it, interesting you mentioned it's the start of side two, because of course on the second American album, it was the, the opener. Obviously they, they were doing you know, different things over there, the record company was. Um, so they decided to whack this one out at the start because it's, it's that kind of thing really, isn't it? It is an opener. It's designed to pick up the pace after that that huge gap. It's a that, that massive amount of time it's taking you to turn the record over from one side to the other. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a standard, isn't it? I mean, now we would call it a standard, but I suppose at the time... It was one of those really early, powerful, um, you know, rhythm and blues rock and roll tracks. So you know, it's 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 got it's got something, um, and even George's slightly weird intonation can't quite bring that down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he does have a weird intonation on this, doesn't he? Um, yeah, I mean, the song was less than ten years old at this point, so um, it was originally released in 1956 by Chuck Berry. So. Uh, yeah, it's not been kicking around for a long period of time. Um, it's from that um, uh, Chuck Berry is on top uh, album. And like, I know that album was a collection of singles. Um, and But like the list of songs on that album is just astonishing. Carol, Carol Maybelline, Sweet Little Rock and Roll, Johnny Be Good, Roll Over Beethoven. It's just like, it's just, just like wall to wall, like standards, like you say, like what, what have become standards now. Um, and, you know... Even within that, uh, there's no doubt that Rollover Beethoven uh, stands out. And I think it's... I'm not going to say it's my favourite cover version that they've ever done, but it's, it's head and shoulders above Please Mr. Postman. It, it's so much uh, better. I, I, I question whether George was the best person to sing this, but um, this might be one that would have benefited a little bit, either from... Uh, John Lennon's kind of slightly more throaty uh, vocal, or maybe even McCartney's. Like, obviously, it's Chuck Berry, not Little Richard. But if he did his Little Richard voice in this, I can imagine that would that would give it quite a wallop. But um, but even so, yeah, it's it's. I I kind of ended up liking it a bit more than I was expecting to. It's quite funny, isn't it? Because it's them paying their dues. This is them sort of saying, you know, here are some examples of the kind of of songs that that we grew up with and that that influenced us and it's clearly had 
a very long-term influence on him. Because I, I sort of listened to, to Roll Out of Beethoven a little bit more closely in preparation for this than I ever have before. You know, it sort of passes over you. And, and suddenly you, you then start to realise that what you've got is um, a piece of music about music. Now, I know it's obvious from the title, or Beethoven, but actually he has, however subtly or cleverly, you know, I'll leave that for other people to decide, you know, embedded references to the likes of, of Carl, uh, Carl Perkins and, and Bo Diddley in there. So it's it's kind of referential um, about music. Um, you know, almost like it's trumpeting this new form of music, which I suppose is, is, is kind of the point of it. And that sort of then put me in mind of actually another form of influence it had on the Beatles. And, you know, the song that instantly sort of pegged in my brain was was Glass Onion, where you've got the Beatles writing about the Beatles. You know, and, and I mean, there are loads of other examples as well. You know, loads of self-referential songs. You know, Public Image, somebody did a song called Public Image. You know, and it's all sorts of things. I think even... Um, um, one of the later REM songs starts referring to lots of other previous REM songs. So it's, it's something that, that bands like to do. That's the one. And and it, it's almost then as though, you know, is this the granddaddy of them all? Is this the one that sort of said, look, songs don't always have to be about I love you, you love me, or ooh, I'm going to write you a letter to tell you about how I feel, or ooh, you dump me. They can actually be just about just bunch of nonsense really yeah absolutely it was it was your first exposure to this song the beatles version or, or were you aware of it before this probably probably i don't know see i mean you mentioned chuck berry and 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 in my mind chuck berry is this older guy on you know 70s and 80s um you know chat shows doing his jumping along on one leg crouching playing the guitar sort of thing and he's also those slightly sordid stories about his very sordid sex life um, and some of the very sordid things that he's done in, in that respect as well. So I think a lot of the, 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 the Chuck Berry stuff um, that, that I suppose people of my age might have experienced is people talk about how great he is, but then also looking at this kind of vaudevillian character on some of those programmes and then finding out about some of those um, you know, dodgier aspects. So he's sort of there with, um, you know, Jerry Lee Lewis, for example, isn't he? Um, you know, in terms of the, okay, so there's this great sort of back catalogue of music. Yeah, but then there's also this, you know. So I don't know. I mean, I, is he more cartoon than than perhaps sort of great hero when you, you listen to um, some of these so-called standards, do they hold up as classic pieces or do they have to be appreciated because of the, the context? The, the example I always throw out at this stage is, is Nevermind the Bollocks, which is with, devoid of context, just a really sort of standard pub rock album with the context, you know, groundbreaking and, you know, and all of that sort of thing. Um, roll over Beethoven, it's fine. You know, in the wrong hands, it becomes really, really dull. Yes, Jeff Lynn, ELO, I'm looking at you. <laughs> oh God, that that ELO version is so bad. I listened to like five. And it goes on for versions. so long. Oh, it's like eight minutes long or something. It's unstoppable. It's like watching an avalanche yeah. of of really, really terrible music fall down the the slopes of the. No, anyway, I don't know where I'm going with that. Uh, yeah, it's really bad. It's awful. Um, 
I listening to the Chuck Berry version is um is kind of instructive because it is. I mean, I know um that album that I was talking about, Chuck Berry is on top. Uh, like Bo Diddley's all over that album, but he's not on he's not on the uh, recording of Roll Over Beethoven. It's Chuck Berry that plays guitar. And it's kind of interesting listening to the way that he plays it next to the way that George Harrison plays it because he is so confident. The way that he knocks out that lick at the beginning and particularly the, the little instrumental break, the lead line over the instrumental break, he is just so confident and gifted as a guitarist. And I'm not saying that to sort of put George Harrison down. I think he actually manages the intro to it very well. He's a little bit cank-handed on, on, the, on the instrumental break. But the live version, which is on uh, Live at the BBC with the Beatles, um, Harrison just, ha he's, he's learned it by then. And it's kind of weird because they played this song a lot. And it's kind of strange that he doesn't quite have it down for the album. But by the time they're doing it live, he's, he seems to have nailed it. Or maybe they just ran out of time and didn't do another take. Maybe it might simply be as simple as that. But um, at this point anyway, it's so obvious how much better a guitarist Chuck Berry is than George Harrison. That won't last, but at this point, it's it's just the confidence with which that song is, is delivered uh, is, is amazing. And it's also got some bass in it as well, which is the other thing that the Beatles version is very much lacking. There's no there's no bottom in their version at all. Um, and, and as such is probably a fairer recreation of what they would have sounded like on stage, because that was always the thing. All you could hear was Ringo pounding away and, every, you know, all the treble was up and, you know, the bass got lost and all the rest of it. So maybe maybe if you want to, if one wanted to be generous, you could say that was that was more representative in terms of being on stage. But it is it, it's 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 very interesting to compare them side by side. So I wonder then um, what the, the witty repulse would be once uh, Paul McCartney wrote his oratorio um, yeah, about how the, the circle is now complete. <laughs> you were once the rock star and now you are the classical composer. Yeah. Yeah. Oh God, let's not go down that line just yet. Roll over Backman Turner Overdrive, perhaps. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but, but, you know, it's interesting how um, some rock stars when they want to be taken more seriously then go the the orchestral route um i'm pretty sure even metallica have done an album with a uh, a mm -hmm. symphony orchestra or maybe it's just a live show or something but it becomes the uh um the way to be taken seriously yeah with with um with variable results as i think elo have successfully proved with this song just sticking an orchestra on something does not necessarily mean that it's any uh, easier to take it seriously or indeed that you have some great um, worth as an artist and and you know the longer we spiral into uh prog rock and and uh, technique over ability is the, the the clearer that distinction will become um but that's perhaps a conversation for another day fair enough fair enough i mean this this is um i mean this this song just sort of gives us sort of little kind of cultural uh links that are, are quite useful probably more interesting in some respects to discuss than, than the song itself because you know it's it's fine you know yeah fairly good performance i mean if you ignore harrison and his his pronunciation in particular of a roll over beethoven um you know which still kind of cracks me up the you know you listen to him singing that line fantastic but it gives you some some little things in here that are, are worth mentioning you know dare i mention superman 3 for example. You can risk it. You can risk it. Uh, fair enough. Um, you know, a classic of its genre. I don't actually, I remember going to see Superman and Superman 2 in, in the cinema. Um, I don't remember going to see Superman 3 because 
the Beatles, um, you know, Lennon McCartney in particular, you know, weren't really, have never been um, very big on licensing uh, their own songs. But Superman 3 is one of the rare examples that actually has the Beatles playing, um, you know, his role over Beethoven. And of course, that was purely because of Richard Lester. So um, the director, Dick Lester, director of Hard Day's Night, um, comes along and says, you know what, I'd quite like to use this song. And they go, tell you what, you did us a massive favour. We'll do you, dare I say, a massive favour. We'll do you a favour and and we'll let you do it. There aren't too many other examples of Beatles songs, um, actual Beatles recordings um, being used, being licensed for, um, for films in that way. The fact that it ends up in Superman 3, though, is, is just a little bit on the odd side for me. Yeah, it's curious. Well, I don't think I ever went to see Superman 3 in the cinema either. I definitely went to see Superman 1 and 2 in the pictures. I know that for a fact. But I think, yeah. I think at that stage, yeah, even, even, even a fairly uncritical young teenager had given up on the, on the, uh, the <laughs> <laughs> relative qualities of those films. Um, I mean, so much, so much so, you know, Superman 3, I mean, I can't even remember was was gene hackman still in it at that stage i'm not um, sure he was no he'd, he'd moved on by that stage yeah i don't think so no um, um isn't uh, that is is that the one richard Pryor is in yes it oh, is yeah dear robert vaughan okay oh wow big hitter yeah pamela stevenson as well i'm not quite sure what role she i mean i, I don't even know if i've even seen it um so, you know, when, when you're reading through the, the plot summary and it says the hero commits petty acts of vandalism, such as straightening the leaning tower of Pisa and blowing out the Olympic flame. I think I would definitely have remembered that if I'd have seen that. <laughs> yeah, you would think that would be something that would stick in the mind. Just like I've never seen Superman for the quest for peace in which Milton Keynes stands in for um, uh, Manhattan. Never seen that either. But, um, <laughs> Seriously? seriously yeah okay good no i mean listen my 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 beloved hometown of glasgow stands in for new york all the time so why not milton Keynes? who am i who am i to judge absolutely absolutely um yeah so superman three yeah and the beatles um you know it, it made its money back so you know maybe you could say that they contributed to that Maybe if you're being generous, but the other cultural touchstone that that I did rem- I, actually I misremembered it. Um, in fairness, was that I, I did remember that at some point in the 1980s there was a not particularly funny um, sitcom called Roll Over Beethoven. Now I remembered it as starring um, Dennis Waterman. Uh, I was wrong about that. It's actually Nigel Planer, uh, and it's a sitcom about a rock star who buys a mansion in some village in the countryside uh, for some peace and quiet and falls in love with the local piano teacher um, you know so you've, you've got the, the sort of the, um, the the clash of cultures the rock star the country village he's in the mansion she's trying to teach classical piano but you know, they end up, will they, won't they? Yes, they probably will. And, you know, all of that sort of stuff going on. You, do you not remember this at all? literally no idea what you're talking about. I have no memory of this whatsoever. Nigel Planer was in it? Really? Nigel Planer, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Nigel wow. Planer. Well, you see, so, you, you so, so you've seen it then? This isn't, this, you're not just reciting a wiki article. No, I, I remembered watching it. Okay. Um, and 
you know, obviously I've, I've gone back and you can find some episodes on uh, on YouTube. But actually, as it turns out, he was in the first couple of episodes of the second series. But then for some reason, he gets written out of it, um, goes off on tour or something like that. And um, and then someone else comes along in his place and it's it's never apparently never really spoken about. So um, right, a little bit odd, but it's it's one of those it's one of those weird things where you've you've got kind of like a um, you know um, attractive younger lady living with her older parent. Um, in this case, her dad, who you know is always really really picky and and so on and so forth, won't let her live her life and you know all of that sort of stuff and and of course clash of cultures, blah blah blah. It's just a really, really odd thing. And of course, you know, bearing in mind all of that, I think it might have been a Marks and Gran um, sitcom, um, you know, so obviously you've, you've got it kind of leading into things like Birds of a Feather. Um, but it's, it's you know, they, they chose as their cultural touchstone in the 1980s, roll over Beethoven, um, you know, as being that thing that embodies the clash of the old and the new. And yet, of course, what they picked was the slightly jaded rock star rather than something that was being particularly current and fresh. Um, so roll over Beethoven has become such a such a cliche now, um, you know, in that sense. Yeah, being picked for sitcom title really isn't representing anything, you know, like the, the you know, the 56 song. Okay. Wow, that's that's kind of fascinating. Um, a hasty bing informs me that the uh, young, attractive lady in question is Lisa Goddard. Lisa yeah. Goddard. Yeah. Nice that she was getting work. Um, that's good. Yeah, that's kind of yeah. I'd never heard of this at all. This is this is completely new to me. Wow, that's fascinating. Yeah. Good. Uh, I suppose maybe it, it wasn't on S- STV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe it was except for viewers in Scotland. That, that that's not beyond the realms of possibility. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we lost a lot of television that way. Oh, well, cultural artefacts from a different time. Um, yeah, it's kind of interesting, though. It does speak to the song's kind of, um, yeah, cultural legacy or cultural footprint, that that's what it's going to, uh, that's what it's going to embody. And it can, it can manage to have that kind of meaning that people will just sort of instantly recognize it. But uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure if it was based on this version alone that that might quite be the case, though. Um, how 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 are you feeling about other than the pronunciation? How are you feeling about Mr. Harrison's performance in this? Yeah, I mean it's fine, it's fine. I mean it's 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 sort of noticeable, isn't it? That um that what we're struggling to do at this stage is is get him um the the self penned material. Yeah. So there is that case of well, let's be nice to George. Let's give him something to sing, um, and let's give him something from the, um, you know, from the the classic set. Because of course, on this album, he actually gets three songs to sing, which is something of a development, really. Um, so they they're kind of giving him a little bit more responsibility, but on the other hand, they're not necessarily giving him the best material. And I'd say it, George, as we've covered in a previous episode. That includes your own song. Yeah, yeah. Don't, no, I don't. But I don't think he rated. Don't bother me either. So at least uh, we're not saying anything he would. Uh, he would vindictively disagree with. I think it's fair to say. Uh, but yeah, you're right. I mean, it's not. It's not the best material. And I think it's kind of. Um, 
telling that if you sort of if you listen to it in headphones if you listen to it relatively carefully it's not the best produced song on the album either the 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 separation is really brutal with everything pushed over to one one channel and then everything pushed over to the other um there's some you know ringo's got his moments here he's he's probably making the most effort he's got some nice sort of transitions and some nice fills and stuff but again there's there's no there's no bottom to this recording like the bass is so light on it like you have to really concentrate to hear what mccartney's playing on this and the bass drum it just gets kind of lost as well um and that's usually an indication that this has been recorded really quick and with not that much care and attention now i'm obviously not going to criticize george martin as a producer that would not be my place to do but at the same time this this has all the hallmarks of something which has just been like banged out you know there's no there's no great uh care and attention being being put on that and that's maybe not entirely unfair it's perfectly pleasant it's a decent performance um I'm not a big fan of the hand claps either, i got to say. Um, they're a bit kind of, like, I don't know. I, I assume that they're there to try and give a bit of energy, but I find that they kind of do the opposite. They kind of feel a bit almost enervating. They kind of sap a bit of the energy out of it. I don't know. They're mixed way too high as well. I don't know. It's just a weird thing for them to be there at all. I uh, Yeah. So it's hand claps are a bit of a bit of a um, they're they're a bit of a, um, a a weird thing when it comes to um, um, recording. Some people get very precious about hand claps. I can remember Noel Gallagher going on. I can't remember if it was for the second or the third album, going on about the importance of, of hand claps and um, you know having real hand claps. I suppose at that stage, as opposed to you know fair like created hand claps, but um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. Well, you know, everybody's got their own points that they want to make. You know, some people really dislike cowbells on recordings as well. I love a good cowbell myself. But you know, some people are are just 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 not into cowbells and that that, that baffles and and frightens me. Um and I guess I guess there's a time and a place for a cowbell. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It's gotta be in the right song. Yeah. Like on, on everybody's got something to hide except for me and my monkey. Perfect place for a cowbell. Yesterday, not so much. I was more thinking Swiss Alps. Perfect place for a cowbell. Okay, well that 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 works too. That works too. Yeah, they're they're very weird, very weird instrument. Very kind of um, uh, monotone. Yeah, which I realised for bells. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, How many you're right. Bells? But even even amongst a monotone instrument, it's it's a very flat, dull, monotone sound. But that's that's the kind of um, high grade material that that our uh, our listeners are after, really. Isn't I it? think so, it probably uh, is. Um, you want to chuck it there? Well, you know, unless you want to start getting into, um, you know, the ins and outs of Ringo on this track, which um, which I know you love. But just to say that, actually, I did watch quite a good recording of this um, on, on you know, the old YouTube. Um, and, you know, it was fine. They, they were having a great time. And it was only at the end that I thought, they've not shown many shots of Ringo. And then on the wide shot, as they were doing their traditional bow, realised why. It wasn't Ringo doing the drumming. It was one of those occasions when they would have had one of the um, um, the standards. Oh. So it might have been on an Australian tour, I think. Or like Jimmy Nickel or someone like that. Someone like that, yeah. 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 Um, so I didn't miss him when he wasn't there, but that may say more about my ability to... Uh, um, uh, to pick apart some of the more technical elements. Yeah, I'm not going to bang on about Ringo too much on this. Uh, I think he does a good job. I think he's putting in. I think he's putting in the effort. Um, but it's not. 
it's not the most demanding song for him neither is it one which i think necessarily shows him off to his, his best ability but yeah he's doing he's doing good work i mean mccartney is doing quite well as well it's just really difficult to hear anything that he's doing well you can hear his hand claps nice and clear for better or worse but uh, in terms of his best performance it's just like yeah it's it's kind of it's down there somewhere but yeah there's there's there's, there's not an awful lot to get that excited about yeah fair enough so i mean that's that's kind of you know where we are with this it's a it's another one of those um placeholder type songs that's that's purely designed to you know give the record that little bit of oomph that little bit of momentum when it needs it before then moving on to the next thing and and the beauty of actually pretty much the entire Beatles over is that that you know they rattle through the songs uh, and I'm sure if you were to sort of to do a um you know content analysis you wouldn't find that many songs even in a later period that that's over three three and a half minutes so they really do like to get in get the song done and and get on again so um yeah maybe that's maybe that's what we should be doing with the recording got in there we've got yeah, it done we've waffled a bit let's move on that seems like a very good idea quick score yeah uh, five six six let's six ish yeah six yeah yeah, yeah i'll go yeah, with six five six yeah 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 all right you know okay yeah. and bow yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Good button done up. Quick bow. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. And now here's a jaunty little anecdote before the next song. Um, yeah, I think we could probably skip that for the time being. But uh, um, but if you've got a if you've got a Flanagan and Allen number loaded, then then that's always good. <laughs> All right, let's draw a veil over this. Um, you can contact us by email. We are Beatlesstuffology at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at Beatles underscore ology, and you can find more of my writing at www.jgmacquarie.scot. Please like, rate, and reviewers on whatever podcatcher you're using so that more people can find the show next episode it's the next track hold me tight but until then keep listening